You guys ready for the Word of God today? All right, all right. Why don't we all stand in reverence to the Word of God this morning? And we're going to see if you can handle this Word today. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. This is what the Word of God says here. Now Naaman was a commander of the great army, the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and served, she served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl of Israel had said. And he said, by all means, go. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. I want to jump over to verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger and to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely at least have come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hands over the spot and cure me of leprosy. Are not Abana and Pafar the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. And Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times, like the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean as a young boy. Finally, look at verse 15. The Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Now I know God. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help us to understand it and use it towards our lives. and Make us better and make us who you want us to be. Use me now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Naaman said, Now I know God. I want to speak to you on this sermon title. It's not what it looks like. Come on, help me preach this this morning. Tell your neighbor, when I, hey, it's not what it looks like. Turn over to your other neighbor and tell him to, hey, it's not what it looked like. It's not what it looked like. See, Naaman, the Bible says that Naaman was a great man. He was a great warrior, so Naaman was the head commander. He was a valiant soldier. He was strong. He was brave. He had a lot of victories, a lot of accomplishments. Everyone looked at Naaman, and they loved him. They admired him. They respected him. Some envied him. So you can imagine that every time Naaman showed up in public, everyone was like, man, it's Naaman, it's Naaman. Look, it's Naaman. And Naaman was a big deal. Naaman was a big shot. Naaman was pretty popular pretty famous, but what no one knew was that Naaman was also pretty broken. You see, Naaman was a great warrior, but it was only on the outside. Here's the big problem, and I want you to go to verse 1, and I want you to see this for a second. The Bible says that Naaman was great. He was a great commander of the armies of the king of Aram, but notice what the Bible says. He was great. He was a great man in the what? Sight. Sight. 
in the sight. Come on, say it with me. In the sight. The Bible says he was only a great man in appearance. He was great in the man's sight. So when you looked at Naaman, he looked great. When you looked at Naaman, he had a great life. When you looked at Naaman, he had a great wife, a great family, a great career. He had a great future. But all of this greatness was only greatness in the sight of man. But that wasn't the story inside his private life at home. You see, as Naaman went home and he took off the armor... And in the privacy of his own home, the real Naaman came out. Because you can be one way in church, amen? Amen. And you can be one way at work. You can be one way around next to people. When the pastor's around, you're a whole different person. But what I want to know this morning is who are you in the private life? Who are you at home? Who are you when no one's watching? Naaman's wife knew who Naaman was. Naaman's children knew who Naaman was. Because underneath the roof you call home, you can be yourself. But sometimes yourself is pretty messed up. So it's easy for Naaman to put on the armor, look great in the sight of everyone, go outside in public, be admired, be envied, look great, be great, but come back home a disaster. And there's nothing more frustrating than to know the person you're living with on the inside of your home is not the person he is on the outside. On the outside, he's happy, he's great, he's brave, everyone loves him. But on the inside, our home and our private lives are a mess. And this is the story of our nation. This is who we are as a people right now in America. We are great in public. We want to live in great homes, drive great cars, wear great jobs, wear great clothes, do great things, send our kids to great school because we are so obsessed with being great in the sight of people but we are not great in the eyes of God and we're losing our home and on the inside of our home we're broken underneath all the armor the Bible says he was a great man but he had leprosy stay with me there's no doubt in my mind that in this church there's some great people. You say, Pastor, I'm a great father. I'm not denying that. I'm a great husband. I'm a great wife. I'm a great mom. I'm a great employee. I'm a great Christian. Okay, whatever you want to say, fine. But the Bible says Naaman was great, but he had leprosy. I know you're great, but what's your butt? Naaman was great, but he had leprosy. You might say, Pastor, I'm great, but I have this addiction. Pastor, I'm great, but I have this anger. Pastor, I'm great, but I'm far from God right now. And pastor, I'm great, and my life looks great, but I have insecurities, and I'm struggling with depression, and there's darkness in my life. I'm great, but, you see, there's this but that comes into our lives that tells us things are not always what they look like. He was great, but he had leprosy. Imagine the pressure of having to wake up like Naaman, put on the armor, go outside, and pretend to be something you know deep down inside you're not. Some of you have that pressure because you're in the house of God this morning, and you have this pressure to appear to be strong in the faith, close to God, holy, spiritual, 
Well, you get it. But the pressure really is knowing it's not who you really are. So easy today to just look the part, but not actually be living it. Naaman had this dreaded disease called leprosy. Now, leprosy was one of those diseases that God references as a sin. The symbolism behind leprosy was a symbolism of sin. Because leprosy was a disease of the flesh. How many of you have a little struggle today with your flesh? And leprosy was something that it didn't just control you. It didn't just hurt you. Leprosy had the potential to infect and spread to others. So let me ask you this other question. Stay with me. I know it's hard, but how many of you had that little struggle with your flesh, but that struggle was not only your struggle, your flesh struggle also affected those around you. And it affected your loved ones and your family because leprosy is not selfish. It will spread. And that's why God used this illustration of leprosy like sin. Because sin will not only affect you, but those around you. It is a flesh-eating disease just like sin. It spreads and contaminates. And in the Bible, in Leviticus, if you had leprosy, you were considered unclean. Just like sin has made you unclean. Leprosy made you a a reject. You see, when you had leprosy, you had to separate yourself from your loved ones, your friends and your family and all of society. You had to hang out with all the other people with leprosy. Because like sin, sin has separated you from God. And imagine this, but in the Bible, God commanded when you had leprosy, that you would tell everyone so they wouldn't come near you. So when you had leprosy and you saw someone coming, imagine that awkwardness, you would say, hey, yeah, I have leprosy. And if you went to the crowd, you would have to yell, I have leprosy, I have leprosy. And everyone would scatter and push you away and get away from you. So you can imagine that this disease was a disease of rejection. It was a disease of loneliness and isolation. And it was a disease that would most definitely have affected the social life of this great man. Do you understand now why Naaman had to hide it? Because so many of us have a a fear that causes us to hide our sin for fear of rejection. And we hide our sin for fear of loneliness. And if people really knew who I was, and if people really knew what I struggled with, and if people really knew what was on the inside, I know I have everyone fooled, but pastor, if they knew who I really was, no one would like me, no one would care about me, everyone would reject me, so I'd rather just hide it and pretend to be someone I'm not, but here's the reality, God is a God who sees all things. You know that with God, there's only sin, but God doesn't understand a term that we use. Here's the term, secret sin. That's a man-made word. Because God who sees all has no sin that he can't see in secret. So right now, even though you may think You're hiding and you may be pretending to be someone you're not because you come to the house of God. You go to the workplace. You're around your children, your friends, your loved one, your pastor, whatever. And you put on the smile and you put on the confidence and you put on the spiritual and you think that you're fooling everyone. That's great, but you can't fool God. Underneath the armor... The flesh was destroying his life. And leprosy was one of those things that it started off as a spot, but it would grow. 
Because I want to tell you that if you don't run to God with your sin, um, eventually it will grow and become out of control. And that's what was happening to Naaman. Naaman was a great man. But on the inside, he was losing control. On the inside, he was falling apart. And Naaman just resolved to hide it. That's why maybe today in this church, your life is not what it really looks like. You think about people in the Bible, it's so easy to look great in the sight of others. Even King David was great in the sight of others. But no one even knew he was struggling with sin and adultery. No one even knew that his family behind closed doors was trying to kill one another. Imagine the stress every day, David having to go outside as a king, pretend to have a great family, a great relationship with God, fix everyone else's problems, and he could never tell anyone else, I have problems of my own. Solomon had great wisdom. But Solomon also, behind closed doors, had a struggle with women and he had a struggle with his devotion with God. Paul was a great man of God. Paul was a great scholar. Paul was a man of God that everyone said was great. But what no one even knew is that Paul had his own flesh problem because even he admitted, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, I'm doing. And Paul even confessed, there were moments that I showed up to preach and I was discouraged. I was afraid. I had insecurities. And he never showed it. Why? Because there's a sense in us to say, I have to always appear strong. I always have to be okay. I can't let anyone know that I'm broken. I can't let anyone know that I'm falling apart. What would they think of me if they knew that I was struggling with flesh? But those people you're worried about are also struggling like you. This is a world we're living in where all we think about is being great in the sight of people. So while we have our great house and our great kids and our great car and jobs and we post great pictures to show people of our great lives and convince people that we're great. I don't have social media, but I have friends that do. And this week, while on vacation with some friends and family, they would take pictures. I was amazed with the amount of filters you can put into a picture and cropping and cutting and slaying in order to look like you work out. In order to look like life is great. And when you post it, it's just to show everyone I'm great. We live in a world obsessed with outward greatness. And we have neglected what matters most. And that is greatness in the sight of God. I only want validation from God. I only want to hear God say, you're a great person. I want to know that God sees me, even though no one's perfect, even though we've all sinned. I want to know that in the eyes of God, I am great. Because throughout the Bible, you read very common all the time and so and so was great in the eyes of the Lord and so and so was evil in the eyes of the Lord don't you understand that we have to begin to prioritize being great not in the sight of man but in the sight of God can you honestly say right now that the life that you're living is great in the sight of God could God look at you as a spouse and say you're doing a great job can God look at you as 
as an employee and say you're doing great? Can God look at you as a believer and say you're doing great? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because all we seem to do lately is be obsessed with being great in the sight of man. But I love it. Because while we're looking great on the outside, you're maybe falling apart on the inside like Naaman. And you look great on the outside, but there's pain. There's anger. There's bitterness. There's addiction. There's anxiety. There's depression. There's discouragement. There's hatred. There's jealousy. And you wake up every morning, you have to put the facade and you have to cover it. But see, God doesn't want you living undercover. God doesn't want you living in secret sin. God wants you to be revealed so that he can reveal himself to you. Why leprosy? Why was leprosy a symbol of sin? Not only is it because it separated and it contaminated and made you unclean. But the good news about leprosy is that leprosy was a disease only known to be cured by God. And only a priest could declare you clean. See, the reason God used leprosy as a symbol of sin, because only God can remove the sin in your life. Only God can heal you. And only Jesus, the great high priest, can make you and declare you clean. Leprosy was one of those diseases that had no remedy. You know how Cubans have a remedy for everything? How many of you know the Vicks Vapor Up thing and, and, and just fixes everything? Can I get a witness? You can be sick, dying, bleeding out, and your mom says, oh, just put a little Vicks on it. You'll be good. You know what's crazy? It does work, though. But that's not one of those diseases. Because today I believe that sin is the cause for so much destruction in today's world. I believe that depression and divorce and anxiety and fear and anger and all this unhappiness, we are the 19th most unhappiest nation in the world. And it's growing. How is it that we are so unhappy? Here's a reason. Sin. But the problem is we're trying to find all these remedies to fix it. You're trying to find all these solutions to be happy and joyful and back together. You're trying to fix something that only God can fix. Only God can heal you. Only God can fix that very thing you're trying to fix. And you want to disagree and say, no, what I need is a new spouse. What I need is a new car. What I need is a new job. What I need is a new location. And once I have that, I'll be happy. And you get there and you realize you're not because the problem is sin. Naaman's problem was not the leprosy in his skin. It was the sin in his heart. Leprosy could only be healed because I want to tell you whatever you're carrying today. The Lord has the power to heal you from. And the Lord still has a plan for your life. God is so awesome that. He works all things for good. For those who love him. The Bible says that in Naaman's house, there was a slave girl who had problems of her own, taken captive away from her family, away from Israel, away from everything she knew. And she was put in the house of Naaman for the sole purpose of leading Naaman to God. God was already working in the life of Naaman, and he didn't even know it. But that little slave girl was put there by God to point Naaman to the right direction. That's why today I'm in your life. I'm pointing you to God. God has a way of showing you you need him. 
And Naaman didn't know. But this very disease would not end in death. But God was using it to bring about something better. Because you're here in this church right now, you're saying, Pastor, it's too late for me. I've gone too far, I've done too much. And I want to ask you this question. If you can answer this, I can prove to you God still has a hope for you. Are you dead? Are you breathing? God's not done with you. That's it. Doesn't matter how bad things are. It doesn't matter how crazy it is. The same way this girl was pointing him to God meant that God already worked everything out to reshift Naaman's life. So Naaman had a choice. The same choice you have today. Am I going to continue to live in secrecy? Am I going to continue to hide this flesh problem that's destroying me and my life and my family? Or am I going to humble myself like Naaman had to and do it God's way? Run to God. Naaman had no idea that the worst thing he was going through, which was that disease, would actually turn out to be the best thing he's ever gone through. How does that work? That's only God. Whatever it is right now you've gone through that you're saying, that's the worst I've gone through. God can use it in such a way that you can say that very thing that was the worst at that season in my life actually ended up being the best thing that's happened to me. Because God does work all things for good for those who love him. And God is bringing out something good. But sometimes, I hate to tell you this, but sometimes the purpose and the plans that God wants to bring out of you, he has to do through pain and suffering. He had to do it through this disease. Because I believe some of you are so hard-headed and stubborn that God has to get you to a place of rock bottom to get your attention. Can I get a witness today? And that was Naaman. Naaman was so desperate he would listen to a little slave girl run to God. God wants to bring something out of you. A few weeks ago, I was sharpening my pencil. I know it's weird. Look at this pencil. What's it used for? Yeah. But right now, if you look at it, can it write? And that's what's happening to you. You have potential. You have a gift. You have an anointing. It's inside you. But as long as it stays inside you, it's useless. God can't use you right now. Why? Because certain things have to be removed. It's called the pencil shaving. But here's the thing. If this pencil could talk, it would say, what are you doing? Because you ever feel like God is putting you through the grinder? And it doesn't make any sense. But God says in order for me to bring about on the outside what was in the inside to make it useful, I have to remove some things. See, Naaman had arrogance. Naaman had pride. And God had to remind Naaman, you're not so great. Let me prove it to you. I'm going to cause you to be sick. And remind you that your life is in my hands. So it may feel like you have potential, you have a gift, and you have an anointing, but God wants to bring it out of you because like Naaman, God wanted to bring something great out of Naaman just like he wants to bring something great out of you. But in order for God to bring it out, he has to put you in some things. Some uncomfortable things. But see, in that moment, of grinding in that moment of removal. You don't even know it. But it's working for you, not against you. Amen. 
And the entire time I'm doing this to the pencil, I'm never letting it go. Because some of you feel because of what you've gone through, God has let you go. But his hand has never left you. And what he's done in your life has only been to bring about the anointing that's inside you. So the worst situation that Naaman was going through, and Naaman felt like he was going through the grind, was actually God removing pride and selfishness and arrogance from him. And actually bringing about something better that he needed to realize God had for him. See, I believe right now the reason you're in what you're in is because God is trying to, one, grab your attention, and two, bring about something better in your life. So you're saying, Pastor, what do I do while I'm in this? Because I do feel like I'm in the grind. I do feel like God has stuck me in things that make no sense. And all day long, I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> the whole point of this story is going to anger you. God is easier than you think. Changing your life is easier than you make it out to be. Living a life of peace and joy and victory and walking in your destiny is easier. We just complicate it. You want to know how you get back on track? Trust God. But you also must trust in His process. That's where we get it wrong as a church. Every church says, trust God, trust God. But here's the truth. You need to trust God, yes, but you also have to trust his process. Verse 11 and 12, let's read that. Naaman shows up Elijah's house and he's expecting Elijah to come out and do some great magical show and fireworks and all of that, and he's going to be healed. But notice the Bible says, Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out and stand and call the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands and over the spot and cure me of leprosy. You see, he wanted God to do something great. But God said, no. Just go and do as you're told. Go to the river and dip seven times, you'll be healed. How simple is that? But Naaman was angry. You know why Naaman was angry? Because he said here, are not Abana and Pafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of these rivers in Israel? Couldn't I just wash in them and be cleansed? So I turned and went off in rage. You know why he's so angry? Because Naaman just realized something that you must realize because maybe you're a little angry with God. And going back to verse 11, there's one key word that's ruining your life. Naaman went away angry and said, here it is, I what? I thought. You know why so many people are living miserable? Because you're living under what you think is best. You know why this is so important you get this? Because I'm going to hurt some feelings right now. Because we're living in this time of blogging and opinions and what's on your mind, typey, 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 and what am I thinking? You're a philosopher. So all of a sudden, because of this age of technology, we've somehow convinced ourselves that what we think matters. And your opinion matters. And you have something to say. Am I right? 
But you think that you have a right to tell God what you think. And you're upset and you're discouraged and you're sad and angry because you thought your life would be a certain way by now. And you thought God should have done it this way. And you thought that God should have given to you and he should have done it like this and done it like that. And I think and I think and I think and God, I thought by now and God, I think this is where I should be and I think this is who I should marry and I think this is how many kids I should have and I think this is the job I should have and I think this is how much I should have and money in the account and this is what I think I should be living and you're telling God all your thoughts and all your thoughts and all your thoughts to a God that says my thoughts are not your thoughts I'm not gonna do things the way you think I should have done it I'm not gonna act the way you think I should act. I know you expected this and you expected that, but sometimes walking with God means you will walk through failed expectations, but while you're walking through failed expectations, you're walking towards God's best. And you need to trust Him. Well, I thought He would have come out and like, healed. Spider-Man healing. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know what's crazy? God doesn't always do, or it doesn't always look like he's doing something great. That's why the message is called, it's not what it looks like. Because maybe you're not what you look like. But sometimes God is going to put you in a season in your life that it's not what it looks like. Naaman wanted God to do something great. But he didn't. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You're saying, Pastor, God's not doing anything great. I want God to, like, show me. I want an explosion of miracles. I want, and God says, no, I'm, sometimes I'm in the whisper. Could you trust God when it looks like it's not so great for you? Could you trust God when he does things that's not so great and it's so unexpected and it's not what you thought? Because even though God didn't do it in a great way, doesn't mean that Naaman was not to experience something great from God. Could you survive the place that God puts you in that's not so great? Could you trust God when it's not so great? Here's a difficult verse to swallow. Ecclesiastes 7.13. Accept the way God what? I know what you're thinking. Where was that in the Bible? Yeah. I didn't write it. Except the way God does things. For who can straighten what he has made crooked? How many crooked folks do I have here? Come out of hiding. And you're like, oh, he's talking about you, not me. I'm not crooked. Maybe you're asking God, Lord, I need to straighten up. I need to straighten my life. I need to straighten my marriage. I need to straighten my children. I need to straighten my finances, my health. Lord, I need a straightening in my life because all of us at some point in our lives, it feels like we've just gone off course and everything's bent and crooked. And, and you're asking God, Lord, I need you to straighten this out. But don't you know that God says, in order for me to do the straightening, you have to accept the way I do things. It means you're going to have to humble yourself and trust the process. Because I believe like Naaman, we think we know best. Naaman told the servant of Elijah, aren't the rivers in Damascus better 
You know what happened to Naaman there? He started drawing comparisons and says, I know better places and I think this is better. And you're looking at other people's lives and you're telling God, shouldn't I be there? Shouldn't I have what they have? Isn't that better for me? I want to live in the better. But God said, no, I need you to go where I tell you to go. And he sent them to the Jordan nasty Aguasusho River. I've been to the Jordan. It's nasty. God might as well say, I want you to be baptized in the canals of Hialeah. Go ahead. That's where you're going to be cleansed. And you say, no, I think I want to bathe in the waters of Aquafina. I need something nicer than this. I need God to do better. And God wants to do better. But you have to understand something. You have to trust God to where he puts you in now. Because even though he thought this was better, in comparison, he needed to trust God in the process. And it's not what you think is best, it's what God says is best for you. Can you trust God when he puts you in a place that's not so great? Because sometimes those places that aren't so great are actually making you a greater person. That's why he puts people in your life that aren't so great because those people are making you greater. He puts you in jobs that's not so great because he's making you greater. It's called an internship. It's horrible. It's not a great place. But if you can say, Lord, it's not where I want to be right now, but it must be what I need right now, I'll trust you because I must accept the way God does things. And whatever you thought, stop thinking it. Whatever you expected, stop expecting it. And say, Lord, here I am. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. So Naaman, he's all mad and The servant said, wait a minute, just because it's not so great, you're not going to do it? Because sometimes we think that in order for us to do something, it has to be great. But God wants to trust you in those things that aren't so great. So he has a little attitude and he says, fine, I'll go to the Jordan River. I'm going to close with this here. So Naaman is walking. (sighs) Dirty river. Can't believe I'm doing this. And he steps in, he's like, Oh my God, it's so nasty. I can't stand these Israelites. How do they bathe in this? God instructs him through the servant and says, Seven times. This is the hardest test, I believe, for any believer. It's when you're in the right place, but you're not seeing the right results. Because we don't serve a God that does things instantly. The fact that he said seven times means that there would be six times it looked like it wasn't working. Six times that it would look like it was failing. Six times like it looked like God was lying to him, sent them the wrong way. Seven, not six, seven. So he gets in the river and he goes in one time, he comes out, he looks, nothing. He goes in again, second time. He says nothing. A third time, a fourth time, a fifth time. He comes out, he looks at anything. He's like, yeah, no. You ever felt like you're doing it and you're doing it God's way and you're doing it God's way and every time you do it God's way, you don't get the results you thought you should have? You know why? Because you're a pencil. God will stick you in there. And he puts you in the grind. But you know what you do with a pencil? You take it out. That's not what I want. And he puts you back in. And you take it back out. No, still not. And he puts you back in. Until you are exactly where God wants you to be. So God has you. And he's putting you in. And he's taking you out. And he's putting you back in. And that's why your life It looks like every time you get out of one problem, you get into another one. It's because you're a pencil. He's just sticking you back in there. So Naaman's there and he's in the river and he comes out. Nothing. I'm going to give up. I've done it already six times. 
And it looks like it's not working, but why? Because it's not what it looks like. Because sometimes you're not what you look like. Sometimes God is not what he looks like, the things he's doing. Sometimes it looks like you're failing. Sometimes it looks like the devil tells you, give up already. You've tried and tried and tried. How many times are you going to ask God for forgiveness? How many times are you going to keep doing this? Just give up. But you need to be the type of believer that says, I will keep dipping until it's done. He goes in. Comes out. The seventh time. It was just like God said it would be. And he was restored. But God did not just restore him. This is where we get it wrong. The Lord did not just restore him. The Lord made him better than before because the Bible says his skin became like that of a child. So it wasn't like God restored him to adulthood. No, God restored him to the point that his skin was better than it's ever been because when God is done with you, God doesn't just want to Restore you. I believe that God wants to make you better than you've ever been. But it requires that you trust Him. It requires that you trust His process. And you stop this game of secret sin and hiding and be the person that God has created you to be. Your life may not be what you thought it should have been, you may be living under failed expectations. But if you will learn that God is working all things for you and God is putting it all together, if you can be faithful in those places that you may not even like, may not be as good as other places you want to be in right now, but if you can trust God with where you're at right now, it can actually make you greater than ever. So I believe today with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, There are people here today, you're saying, Pastor, I feel like Naaman. I'm not what I look like. Behind the smile, the raised hands during worship, the laughter, the confidence, underneath all of that, there's brokenness, there's fear, there's rejection. There's sin in my life. I'm a sinner. And not only are you a sinner, you're a secret sinner. You have the pressure to appear to be great in the sight of everyone. But you and God both know that's not the case. But it's time for you to live a life that's great in the sight of God and no one else. I want to give you the opportunity today, like Naaman, because Naaman said, now I know God. What's crazy about Naaman is that he was a great man who had a great job, had a great family, had a great life. Everything about Naaman was great. But if Naaman would have died without knowing the Lord, he would have died and gone to hell. Think about that. My question to you is, Naaman said, now I know the Lord. Do you absolutely know the Lord Jesus Christ? Because maybe all of it is a show. You come to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you fast, you do all of that. But deep down inside, you know that you know that you're not sincere. And it's simple. Naaman simply had to go to God. Because only God could heal him. Only God could forgive him. Only God could restore him. You've tried everything else in this world. You've tried every pleasure there is. And you're still stuck. You're still in bondage because you're trying the wrong remedy. And you're trying to fix something only God can fix. Well, Jesus says, you come to me when you're weary. Heavy burden and I'll give you rest. The Bible says that if any man believes in Jesus Christ, he will be saved. Stop this hiding. 
God wants to bring about something great in your life. And maybe He's allowed things to fall apart like Naaman because He's trying to reveal Himself to you. He's trying to straighten you out because you're crooked. So as we all stand to our feet, my prayer today that if you're tired, if you're living in hypocrisy and sin and secret sin and immorality, if you're far from the Lord, if you're backslidden, if it feels like underneath your armor you're falling apart, it's because you are. And you need to come back to God. So this is my invitation today. If you're here, don't be afraid. You come up to this altar right now. And I want to pray for you. If you're here, you're saying, God, I'm broken inside. God, I'm not who I am or who I'm supposed to be. Come on now. As our worship team begins to close in worship, I already have one man up here. God bless you. This is a man who's come out and says, I'm not hiding anymore. If you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, if you're listening online, I want to lead you in this prayer today. You pray this with me. You say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. As I turn to you, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm crooked. And only you can straighten me out. So I'm coming out of hiding. And I'm surrendering my life to you. I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. And today... I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. And if you're here right now and you're saying, God, I know you and I know that I'm a born-again believer. I know that I'm saved and I know that I am your child, but I also know that lately I've been under the armor. Lord, there's things in my flesh that are eating away at me. There's things that I'm doing in secret that I pretend to be strong and confident and holy and spiritual. I pretend to be close to you, but right now, Lord, you know that it is not real. And if this is you today, like Naaman, there comes a point that if you want God to do the healing, you have to do the revealing. You have to confess to God and say, Lord, this is who I really am. You're not going to surprise God. You're not going to anger God because God already knows. But this is what's called a confession. Confession is when you agree with God with what you're confessing it is a sin it is wrong and it's time for you to make it right stop living under this false perception and this armor that's not real and it's time for you to be great in the sight of God Father I pray for every man and every woman here today that's under the armor Father those that are here today that haven't trust the process that you have them in places they don't like, they're living lives they don't want. For those that are living in secret sin right now, Lord, Father, I pray that the armor comes off and that we get real with you. I pray for every person here that's struggling with sin right now, struggling with discouragement and depression and anger and jealousy. I pray for anyone that's lost faith and is backslidden right now, Lord. That you will begin the process of healing. Father, that they would come back to you in love and faithfulness. And begin to serve you again. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Give God some praise today in the house of God.